It's Cape Ann Report and I'm your host Maureen Aylward. Our topic is the fine art of dance on Cape Ann and my guests are Lisa Hahn, the Executive Director of Windhover Performing Arts Center and Sarah Slifer-Swift of MAGMA, the Director of MAGMA, which is in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Sarah and Lisa, it's such a pleasure to have you on Cape Ann Report to talk about dance. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank sure. you. It's a pleasure. Um, well, let's get into it. I have a question about um, if you could tell me about your relationship with dance, because I know you each have an individual one and that you've worked together in the past. So, Lisa, what's your relationship with dance? I grew up studying dance with my mother, who was uh, a legend here on Cape Ann, um, one of the early modern dance pioneers who studied with Martha Graham and also Doris Humphrey. And it was through her relationship with Doris Humphrey that she developed her own choreography in that style of fall rebound, um, fall recovery. So I started dancing, I think, right when I was born. <laughs> and um, I've, I did not become a dancer, but the training was really fantastic. And I'm very devoted to continuing the legacy of both my mother and uh, modern dance in general. Mm -hmm. At Windhover. At Windhover. In Rockport. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my parents founded Windhover 53 years ago. I grew up dancing there, and I feel it's um, very important to keep a very creative, special place for artists to do residencies, to do technique classes, to have rehearsals, and of course, the magic of the performances um, in this beautiful, unique setting. Uh, we have an outdoor stage. So it's a fantastic experience for the audience to be in nature when they watch dance. Yeah, and that's so unique. And Sarah, your relationship with dance? Uh, I'm a lifelong dancer. I think I also started at a very young age, too. And um, I went on to study dance in college, and I had a professional career where I danced with several companies in America and then also in Europe. And really, right after I graduated college, I also started teaching. Teaching has also been a very important part of my career. Um, and, and that was really what led me to starting MAGMA in Gloucester, Movement Arts Gloucester Mass, and um, for a place for people to explore dancing, to um, you know, continue with practice um, and training and study, but also a place to have people uh, see works and create together. So my relationship with dance is deep and long. <laughs> yeah. And, and so dance um, has a, a many different uh, people. When people think of dance, there's like lots of different ways that we can identify with it, whether we were children when we took dance classes or uh, maybe we, we see dance on television. But we're going to talk about the fine art of dance, which is a sort of another uh, category of dance. But um, Sarah, could you explain those, the, the, the different the different elements of what we think of as dance today and how we interact with them. Sure. Um, yeah, I think, um, well, there's a lot of different ways that people interact with dance, and I think a lot of people uh, are, well, less people are going to the theater as they did maybe 20 years ago just because of the access that people have to media. So a lot of people are watching dance on television or uh, streaming, um, you know, different videos and, and such. So people's experience with dance is often a much more commercial version of dance 
um, things that are more related to acrobatics or really showy. And this is not a new conversation in dance. This is actually something that's been happening since classical ballet, even dance for performance. The Italian had this more bombastic style and the refined French thought, oh, that's just, we want something very noble. And, you know, so, so this kind of conversation about virtuosity versus art, you know, versus subtlety and artistry is a very old one. But I do think that we're in a time because of of um, technology that people are consuming <laughs> more dance that is of this, you know, kind of bombastic variety. And um, so I, I think that, you know, balance is needed. I happen to be, and I know you at Windhover as well, are more of the kind of concert dance tradition that, you know, about, about subtlety, about time, about taking on deep topics, about... Um, or even just, you know, taking on different cultural approaches to, to dance um, where dance has a different function in different, in different cultures and how, what performance means to different cultures. So, um, so yeah, I, th uh, that's, um, I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I'd love to tip the balance away from bom bombastic towards showing people another side of dance. Mm -hmm. Lisa? What about, what about your take on the different categories of dance? And yeah, um, at Windhover, we've always been devoted to um, modern, mostly modern dance, though we do have a teen workshop that takes in gyro and tap and jazz and other things as well, and African. Um, but because of my, my mother's legacy with some of the early modern dance pioneers, I think it's important to continue that tradition I'm also committed and interested in engaging the public in a very contemporary way. So I'm partnering, you know, first of all, with dance companies coming from New York. So there's an excitement about how professional uh, they are. And to have that experience on Cape Ann is really unique. But I'm also partnering with um, nature organizations and providing dance in settings that are unique in nature, such as quarries, the rocks, the ocean, through the woods. And I feel that bringing a public into their backyard and seeing dance in a totally different setting, using the amphitheater of the natural woods and the quarries to enhance that experience is, is very exciting for people and very engaging. Well, Windhover is known for the quarry dances, mm -hmm. and Sarah, I know that you've danced in the quarry dance. Um, I have, yes. yes. Um, and so folks really know about this program after all, all mm -hmm. of these years that it's been uh, going on, and thank you for, for doing it. Uh, but I'm interested in this evolution of, or revolution of dance that Windhover is, is cultivating in terms of that connection of dance and nature and having um, just a different way to engage in dance, both, you know, being outside, um, interacting with quarry, interacting with nature. It seems like it's, is Windhover um, uh, running that revolution forward? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were talking about how um, there have been revolutions in dance and Windhover is a marker for that. Um, you know, the, the legacy of um, producing work that is important to the history of modern dance, having Graham's technique and work produced and performed, 
Paul Taylor is a company that comes every year, and they're in the legacy of, um, well, Paul Taylor is his own genius. He came out of Graham, but also absorbed some of Doris Humphrey's work. So he's really one of the last of the icons of early modern dance. And it is important to continue that tradition because it was a revolution in dance. There are a lot of um, audience members that are still confounded by what those pieces mean. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in helping them decode that, making it more accessible to the public, having um, master classes, but also open rehearsals to engage the audience in very specific ways so they really understand how important this revolution in dance was. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about decoding, because audiences come to this particular fine art of dance um, in, a, in a way that can be confusing sometimes. Is it the abstraction that's confusion, confusing? Is it the body movement that they can't understand? And how can the two of you uh, decode it a little bit here, but also talk about the importance of um, education? Mm -hmm. And it is not unlike... Uh, learning about a new food or how to buy cheese or, you know, I mean, there takes a certain amount of education to appreciate it. And, you know, we've all been to museums and, you know, we have docents that help us understand um, fine art and museums. And so help folks understand like how to decode or engage or approach the uh, fine, fine dance. Sure. Um, well, abstraction in Western fine art really sort of entered the scene in the 40s, you know, and in visual art, and that was also um, a time when it was entering into even literature and kind of things, narratives sort of falling apart and, um, and deconstructionism in the 60s. And, um, and I think when dance rode that wave um, and got away from things like straightforward narratives, like from story, say story ballets where you have the story of Cinderella and everybody knows it and you know that people are acting and here I give you a rose and oh you don't want it. And so there was, you know, people understood dance as part of that tradition of acting and storytelling. And when dance went away from that, a lot of people, you know, kind of felt like, well, then what am I watching? What's exactly going on here? Am I really just supposed to take movement for its own thing? Or, or gee, actually, it makes, maybe it begs the question, how does movement even relate to storytelling when you've taken the acting out of it? And um, so, you know, really from the modernists, I mean, Martha Graham was still very much interested in storytelling. It was Doris Humphrey who was more abstract and, you know, mm -hmm. was doing things like making a dance about water and doing it to no music and only mm -hmm. having the sound of the dancer's breath. And so this was a time period of, of revolution and, and it was taken even farther by people like Merce Cunningham in the 60s, 50s, 60s, um, and Judson Church, who I mentioned earlier, um, who were really, uh, you know, going away from, uh, you know, sort of smashing formalism and completely. And I do think that a lot of, and not just dance, but a lot of contemporary work is very hard for people to, to, to grasp and to comprehend. It's just like, you know, uh, contemporary science. A lot of people also went, oh my God, we don't understand Einstein. We couldn't possibly understand, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, the uh, special rel relativity. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. just because we understand Newtonian, we understand this is an object and I put it here. So I think it's, it's not unlike any other sophisticated development, whether it's in science or in, in visual art, um, that, that once you take something away from its classical form, it becomes a little uh, confounding. And I, and, I, and I do think that um, 
uh, yeah, that this is a process now of you know reeducating. Or, but I think it also it also hangs a little bit. On, it just requires a little bit more from the audience. If you want to understand special relativity, you have to give a little time to it. And if you want to understand contemporary movements in art, you actually might have to study it a little bit. And that's also where you know, Lisa and I take our roles as directors mm -hmm. seriously because we do think it's a role of, that we can play as educators for the public as a kind of medium uh, to the public. So when they're seeing art, we can help them, bring them into that experience. Mm -hmm. Lisa? Yeah, I think there are two ways to help the audience um, and bring them into the process. One is these open rehearsals that I referred to, because the rehearsal director, for instance, of the Paul Taylor uh, Company came to Windhover last summer, had two open rehearsals for the public, and was really helpful in analyzing what the images, and they were images, they were metaphors, but they were pathways in for the public to understand what was taking place in movement. Can you give us an example? Um, one easy example is this fantastic masterpiece of Paul Taylor's called Esplanade, which is, I think, probably my favorite piece that he performed, uh, choreographed. It starts with very simple ingredients, with the building blocks of a child at play, but it's walking, skipping, jumping, leaping, and falling. And if you take those five building blocks and you do variations on it, you've got pretty much the whole key to the piece. And once people saw how simple those elements were, that everything in the dance relates to one of those movements and the joy of, of being in that state where you're walking, jumping, skipping, leaping, and falling, um, the piece just coalesced and made sense. Now there's more complicated pieces where you need a different language. Um, you know, One example is a piece that Sarah performed last summer which was choreographed by my mother of um, Paul Manship's work. And I think bringing art into dance is also a helpful path. So this mm -hmm. solo was based upon the work of a sculptor whom my mom had known. And it was performed by chance at his um, you know, old studio and home. And it's an abstract language of using art and sculpture and those poses in, Sarah, in the dance that Sarah performed. Mm -hmm. But because people could access it through the art, they really understood the piece. You mean like Manship's art? Manship's mm -hmm. art. They accessed the dance through Manship's art. Yeah, right. there was actually some poses, but also Prometheus is a well-known figure from you know, mythology, too, who right. has a story. Right, it's an abstracted know. story. It's but, an abstracted story. But, yeah, but yeah. There, is a, there is part of a narrative yeah. there. Yes. Gather the fire, throw it to the people. I mean, there <laughs> right. were definitely some gestures that were mimetic of, mm -hmm. of a storyline, which, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a lot of the people that I'm presenting aren't doing that at all, aren't mm -hmm. really aren't giving any narrative markers. It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's conceptual, and you can certainly write about a concept, but the movements aren't mimetic or meaning miming of, of anything in particular uh, uh, that we would, you know, if, if I'm throwing something, I'm not, I'm not throwing, you know, you might be throwing your body, <laughs> you know, and using a concept like that into, but you're not doing a gesture that's necessarily legible to a, um, to, to a public from something that you understand in your own um, vocabulary of, of moving. Um, so so the, the, those get a little bit harder. Um, but I still think that there's a way that we can that we can bring people in. I love the open rehearsal idea. We're doing some um, 
little residencies this summer also at Magma, and we're doing informal presentations at the end with um, with conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, tell uh, tell us a little bit more about about the residencies at Magma. Sure. Um, yeah, we've got a couple. One is a one is sort of a professional residency. Actually, a really great choreographer from uh, one of the resident choreographers for Netherlands Dance Theater is coming to pr uh, create something on a. Boston company called Boston Dance Theater. So that's a special, a special thing, but um, that's a closed, that's a closed circuit one. <laughs> but um, we are having some uh, local choreographers uh, coming in to spend time in the studio. And then just as a part of that, of that process, um, having them do a public showing, very informal, everyone come together, talk about what you're up to, show something, have conversation. Um, so just, you know, just for one, I wanted a way to use the space because in the summer I have classes in the morning and classes in the evening and I had this chunk of time in the middle of the day. So I'm sort of using that as a, a way to give back to my community saying, hey, who needs studio time to rehearse? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to give back to us by Doing sharing your process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the way that we're, we're well, working with the community. What, what about the engagement of audiences? Have you found it difficult to engage audiences around here, do, do folks who do folks come from other places who might have um, maybe a deeper connection with dance, or how do you reach in and cultivate new audiences? Mm. What are your audiences now? Well, one path that I'm following is um, this alliance or partnerships with Greenbelt, for instance, trustees of reservations, with nature programs. I've got um, UMass. Um, Amherst has a, um, a marine lab in Gloucester. A lot of the students and grad students are staying at Windhover, so we're trying to find a way to bring in new audiences through other means, meaning the Cory dance that um, we're known for, and this will be, you know, there's, this will be the eighth year of that. I partnered with Greenbelt at one point so that all of the mailing list from Greenbelt, people who've become members and signed up for nature walks, suddenly we're being um, shown that there's a dance in one of their quarries, one of the premises that they own. And it brought in a whole new group of people that was so unusual for dance, but the blending of nature and dance, I think, was a very successful formula. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to continue that to reach these audiences that are not just a dance audience. Um, because it's very refreshing to have that and it opens possibilities for dance in new ways by engaging with the natural world. Mm -hmm. Sarah? Yeah, um, I guess I'm, um, I'm working a little bit more of a local, a local angle. Um, I'm, I became a member of a wonderful organization called the Creative Collective based out of Salem and they have a lot of member events and things, and so a lot of people get pointed my way through organizations like that. A lot of people have I've been I've been presenting work in this area for a while, so a lot of people are uh, I've known the type of work that I program and 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 have have been so I've I've been developing an audience for quite a while, mm -hmm. and then I think just by having opportunities in you know in Magma where people are getting involved. I have a whole group of younger people who are coming for, you know, different kinds of events, for music events and for improv jams. And so mm -hmm. then it's like, then they get curious about what's happening. So because I'm this center that 
hits a lot of different populations, there's a nice crossover because you might be coming in for a Brazilian forro class, but then you might say, oh, well, I'm curious about that performance that's happening and I'll come and see that. So I think because we have a broad spectrum, uh, both of ages and cultures um, who come and into uh, magma to intersect with whatever they're interested in with a specific mm -hmm. interest, then that also creates a dialogue for the possibility of a broader um, audience for our events. Are you so, seeing this cross-pollinization with other art forms? Because we have the traditional arts uh, on Cape Ann, like painting and sculpture and, um, and some other visual arts. But you know, performance is theater or music, and dance is such a large part of the performing arts. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing that there's this crossover between the audiences that are happening, or oh, is yeah. dance? Yeah, I mean, I okay. think the arts community is very in invested in, in coming mm -hmm. to see performance. I mean, I started, um, my husband runs the Trident Gallery, and I started doing a series called the Trident Live Art Series there mm -hmm. that was specifically about having artists um, collaborate with visual artists. And the, the Trident, you know, audience was phenomenal. I mean, they, uh, they were getting what we, what the performance that, you know, almost better than the dance audience that were sometimes <laughs> like looking for something more traditional. Um, so it was a wonderful crossover thing. And now we're actually, we're still continuing trying to live our series events, but we're also doing some of those events in, in Magma just because it's a bigger space. But um, yeah, the visual art community is, is, is an incredible community here. And we've done a lot of, you know, myself as a director, but also through Magma, we've done a lot of crossover events with visual artists. And also with live musicians, I'm trying to mm. bring in more of the, there's so many live musicians now playing on Cape Ann. There's the Shaolin Lu, of course, has such a great festival, and I would like to tie in more with all of these incredible um, people who are coming here to perform, have rehearsals at Windhover, mm. and start mixing with the dance and the live music more, because mm. well, I think that big... will... Pull it. That's a big part of modern dance too, right? That connection with art, you know, Paul Taylor's uh, new pieces being done to Bach, um, and that Ina I know was very interested in that um, that merging of uh, you know classical music with a dance, um, poetry, and you know bringing in those other finer arts um, too to have this merge together. I mean, that, they all work so well together. Mm -hmm, and absolutely. that's exciting to hear that you're doing something with you know, the classical music. I, I love this. I love this all coming together. Um, and so I'm also wondering about um, um, what the future holds for, for dance on Cape Ann because it's, it's a revolution, it's an evolution, some of the work that you're doing will continue, but do you have any ideas or goals or big big thoughts um, about where dance can move towards or um, more engagement in the community? Well, I'm hoping that um, with Magma being a training center and also a place where um, you know emerging artists can get their foot in the door, I really hope that there's a kind of a homegrown um, evolution of people interested in performance, of people wanting to make performances, and that Magma can really be the uh, breeding ground for this to happen. Um, and so I'd like to personally try to spearhead uh, Magma as a location, you know, for, for, for new work to be made, for new work to, for, you know, new dancers to be trained, 
um, and to really foster a, a professional level of, you know, both the kind of concert dance, experimental dance, really have it be a center. And I'm hoping over time that um, that it also is a draw for you know more um, for people and community to come and and, and be around it. I, I already know that. Um, I have several colleagues from around the world who are like, well, we want to come and spend a month at Magma and, <laughs> you know, come and, and make work there and teach there. And, and so I, I feel like it has this real, I think people are kind of getting tired of the hustle of cities, which is another reason right, why right. people mm -hmm. like to come to a place like Windhover, for example, like especially yeah. if you're a New York City company to like, yeah, plug it's in. an ideal spot for creativity. Right. And mm -hmm. people, you know, to create requires space. And it requires a little less of the kind of drive that, that city life uh, is currently demanding of people, both financially and time-wise. And so um, I think that that's one of the, I think it can, I think Magma can be a real draw for, for in the next 10 years or something for, I'm hoping, a real, a real tight community around performance mm. to, to be gathering. Yeah, and there's of. such synergy with what we're doing having residencies in the summer for dance companies. And Windhover is a place that, you know, they can live there. There's space for 30 people to stay overnight. There's a communal kitchen. So they're, they're put together in a creative, beautiful, magical setting that's quiet, that has studios at their disposal, you know, three indoor spaces, an outdoor performance space. My dream in the future is to have company after company, week after week, mm -hmm. hold these residencies, create new work, you know, commission them to do new work, and invite the public as part of that process to see mm -hmm. what's happened at the end of the residency. So by bringing in musicians, poets, writers, you know, um, theatrical people, and have m even more multimedia kinds of possibilities, mm -hmm. have these dance companies embrace that um, as part of the creative process. That's really exciting to just like, it's <laughs> on the map. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it already is on the map, but you know, oftentimes when we live here, we might not realize the treasure at our feet, you know, the treasure below our feet. I mean, we, we, we just, do we take it for granted that we mm. have such a thriving dance community here or that, and also this vision to grow that dance community? I mean, I think that's what it takes. It takes people on the inside to make change happen and to make, you know, things grow. I mean, I'm, I'm new. Windhover, I mean, Windhover. I'm not Windhover. Windhover has <laughs> been around for a long time. Magma is new. I'm, I've only been around for a year and a half. And, you know, so my vision is something that's really going to grow. But Windhover has been through a lot of changes in the, the last 10 years. I mean, you're recreating the vision as well and I mean the times they are changing you also have to you know look at what you've got and look at the needs of the greater dance world the needs of your community and see how you can make your your organization really viable mm -hmm. um, we both definitely are just you know huge believers in the power of dance mm -hmm. for both as a practitioner and for audiences mm -hmm. um, and I mean, and, and a practitioner at any level, whether you're a professional or whether you're an 80-year-old taking ballet class, which I have several of, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a really powerful art yeah. and, and to be able to engage with it on many different levels mm -hmm. here on Cape Ann, I think is, um, yeah, I mean, high five. It's extraordinary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah, true. Lisa, the, last word. No, I think the future, um, 
is, is exciting and there are so many possibilities and partnerships out there to explore. Um, one new idea I have is to explore um, partnership with the Cape Ann Museum. Um, it's, you know, there's so many treasures there. One piece my mother did, a, uh, choreographed a, a, a few years ago was um, the, the Folly Cove designers and she took mm -hmm. all of the images from um, the fabric and put it into a dance and that mm -hmm. brought the community in in a new way because there were visual slides involved and the whole idea of the connection to the art world brought in the art the artists as well um, as as dance fans so I'm interested in exploring all the options that are possible. Well, we're looking forward to it. Lisa Hahn, yes. Windhover. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And Sarah Slifer-Swift of Magma. Thanks for this fantastic conversation. Thanks so much for viewing. Until the next time on Cape Ann Report, take care.